Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, the Labor Department's first TMF project is really finished. We've started paying back our installment or loan from the TMF board at this point. Um, we, we should have a 850 credit uh, scoring from, from the DMF board uh, because we are <laughs> repaying it. And an endorsement for agency working capital funds. Single year appropriations are sometimes a hindrance in planning multi-year enterprise projects. Working capital fund takes away that hindrance and that constraint. It's Monday, April 18th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. A new information doctrine's coming for the Marine Corps. Lieutenant General Matthew Glavy tells FedScoop the service will organize the forthcoming Marine Corps doctrinal publication aid into three areas. Systems overmatch, prevailing narrative, and resiliency. Glavy says the Corps will put the doctrine out in the next month or so. The Transportation Security Administration is getting a new chief information officer. Yemi Oshinaye will join TSA from Citizenship and Immigration Services. He's been deputy CIO at USCIS for about three years. You can read more about these stories and lots of other news at fedscoop.com. Decision makers from the Navy, the Jake Office, the DOD, the State Department, and more agencies are coming to the Government Forum 2022. It's tomorrow at the Ritz-Carlton in Pentagon City. You can still sign up. You can find a link to learn how in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Labor Department's working through its second Technology Modernization Fund project. The department finished its first one for labor certificate processing modernization about a year ago. Gundeep Alawalia is Chief Information Officer at the Labor Department. Gundeep, welcome. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk about TMF later in our conversation, but I want to start with personnel. What kind of impact are you seeing on your workforce from retirements, transitions, and the great resignation that we're hearing all about in the general media. Welcome, Gundeep. So thank you, Francis. Thank you for having me. It is always a, a pleasure to talk to you and, and to reach out to the entire community. Um, I think the, the pandemic uh, was a very proud moment for the entire government uh, as a whole and the services that we provided, right? I am, I am so pleased to see that all the investments we had made in the IT infrastructure sort of held up and we exist at the Department of Labor to protect people's 401ks, to make sure that mines are safe, to uh, um, process workman compensation claims, and all of that uh, mission delivery happened thanks to our investment in IT. And all of that IT delivery does not happen without people, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it is people who make it happen. And I'm incredibly proud of that aspect as well. But the one thing we have seen over a period of uh, the last couple of years is pandemic fatigue, right? Uh, different ways of delivering IT, right? I mean, if, if somebody sends me a, a Verizon number or, or a teleconference number where the leader code has not been put in and I have to listen to music, I almost panic. Am I in the right meeting? <laughs> right? So it's a, it's a different... A way of doing business than we used to do in the, in the past. Um, we, we are shipping laptops to to people to onboard them during pandemic, right? I mean, so so it's a very different delivery model than we were used to pre-pandemic, and that has uh, a, a, a a a fatigue that has set into the into the workforce in many ways. 
In other ways, it's been liberating for many of them to who had long commutes and 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 are now not uh, subjected to hour and a half on the train and things of that nature, right? So it's a it's a very uh, it's 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 different things have happened to the workforce, and we must accept that reality. Um, I will say I have seen a lot of increased productivity in in most of our areas, right? Where people are are working longer, they're doing work more productively, utilizing these new tools in a in a new manner, both on the mission side as well as in the, in the IT workforce. But then I am also very worried about the retirements and people who are saying I can't do this anymore, or I'm going to move closer to my family, or um, or they're, they're, they're simply burnt out because of lack of social interaction. And I worry about how these teams interact uh, when new folks are onboarded as well, right? So th- those are that is the spectrum of what is working very well uh, and a, a little pocket of cause for concern that we all must look at as leaders, not, in the, not only in the IT space, uh, but in other areas as well. Um, I, I and, and then we, we must develop coping mechanisms, which I can talk a little bit about as well, uh, because we have adjusted. How do you onboard a new employee, right? How do you build team cohesion during a time of uh, uh, pandemic? What recruitment strategies do we need in order to bring in new people uh, that are that are different from what used to be two or three years ago? Yeah, those are interesting observations to me, Gundeep, because they sound very similar to what Jason Gray, the CIO at Education, talked about on this program very, very recently. He used the phrase connective tissue in what he worries about, the conversations that one has at the elevator with one with one's peers that sometimes turn into ideas. They're not always just idle chatter. And those are the things that he worries about being able to replicate when you don't know what the schedules are going to be, when your peers are going to be in the office. You know, I joked about you being in the office and, and those will be, those schedules will be very fluid moving forward. And that sounds like those are the same thoughts, at least not problems yet, but thoughts that you're wrestling with. No, I, I I quite agree with you, um, and 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 I would say that we have built some new practices to help manage uh, um, uh, it, it, our, our workforce. Not manage, but but help them thrive, help the workforce thrive, right? Um, and and I'll give you a couple of examples. One is when a new employee used to come in, right? When we were physically in the office. They could go to engineering, they could go to acquisitions, they could go to cybersecurity, they could go shake hands and make new friends, right? Um, and now we have actually shifted the, the focus a little bit. And when a new employee comes in, every employee gets, uh, unfortunately, gets a meeting with me, right? So I, I give them a, a, a couple of assignments designed to cope with this new virtual environment and and getting them into the OCIO ecosystem and the DOL ecosystem, right? So what I tell them is, I need you to find two facts about mission areas, right? That I don't know, right? And and it's just to make it fun, right? What does the Department of Labor do? How many workman compensation claims do we process? Uh, How many grants do we manage in a year, right? And things of that nature, right? This is to 
connect their work with with actual mission delivery. I'm telling you, there is no more uh, better motivator for people if they can understand how their Windows upgrade is going to help save a mining disaster in Arkansas, right? I mean, that is such a powerful motivator, uh, uh, Francis, that I, I really think we, we as IT leaders sometimes underinvest in connecting people's IT work with the mission delivery area, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one way of learning the department and how my work connects with uh, mission delivery, right? The other thing I, I give them an assignment is I want you to go left to right on the entire org chart. Pick at least one person in every branch. Go and meet them for 30 minutes. Learn what they do. Introduce yourself and open a trust account with them. Because guess what? You will need all of them during your time at, at labor. But I don't want your first meeting with engineering or acquisitions or finance to be, hi, I am Gundeep. I need something from you. Right? So go and open a trust account. And that's my way of changing the tactics of how you bring in on a new uh, employee into OCIO so that they learn what OCIO does, what the department does, and why do we exist, and how does my IT work connect to it? So some some, coping mechanisms of how to pivot Mm -hmm. from a uh, uh, all-on-premise presence to a, a virtual onboarding. There's a perception, I think, in about government and even within government that if you're going to create an infrastructure like you just described, Gundeep, it's a thing and it, it has to go through a process and so on. Is that how this worked or did you just kind of draw this up on a legal pad one day and say, I think this would be a good idea and we're going to try it and see how it works? So I, we, we've been very uh, deliberate about this, right? So, so the leadership, uh, because I've, I've been worried about people taking vacations, uh, about doing wellness checks that would happen automatically at the water cooler, right? Or um, the, the uh, uh, outside the formal structure of a meeting, the interactions and the group. Uh, so we have brainstormed through the, the, the last year, year and a half, and the leadership team said, let's try this, let's try that, right? And we, we've had virtual coffee. Uh, 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 leaders were said, okay, you will do three w- virtual coffees with sometimes employees within your own division, sometimes people outside the, the division, uh, um, creating this, 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 uh, these assignments, right? You will go and meet with people and, and introduce yourself, ask them what their biggest accomplishment in the last year is. What is their biggest challenge? What do you bring to the, to the table? So all of these ideas actually or, uh, came up through the uh, leadership uh, uh, panels and respective directorates getting together and discussing how can we make this work in the virtual environment. We tried and tested them over time, and now we have like six, seven of these uh, that have been implemented into our normal processes and seem to be working very well. And we calibrate them from time to time. It's not, you you can't be static, right? That, okay, I've implemented a new system and it, and it works for now. Well, it may not work. So we keep a check on all of these things. We have a leadership council within OCIO that gets together and makes sure that we are still, whatever strategies we put in place are still working. How do you decide what a success metric is and how do you decide whether you've met that success metric with something like this that is maybe the end result is not as tangible? 
It, it is it is very hard. Uh, so so I think we do have success measures on our on the work, right? We 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 always have those. Um, how many tickets are we getting? How many sev ones are are there? How many break fixes are happening in in our enterprise service desk? Right? How many website visits are happening and, and things so on and so forth? How many cybersecurity incidents? I think keeping a watch on those is important, right? Because because they ultimately will things will start breaking, things will start showing up, and that is an indirect but very tangible way to measure morale, productivity team spirit. Um, I look at another thing very closely, Francis, is how many times do we fail when we go from one division, organizational unit to another, right? Finger pointing in my mind is usually a good indication of how teams are working well together, right? So if, if a ticket goes from level one to level two to level three, the operation succeeds, but the, cut, the patient dies, right? As in, my problem was not solved, but we closed the ticket. These are some indicators of underlying teamwork issues for me, right? So I watch these things. The other thing is, is listening. I mean, our, our leaders have to listen to their folks over time. We, we look at the FEVS survey and other surveys that are done as well. So if you collect all of that data and you are listening to your teams on a regular basis and then correlate with the tangible ways you measure success in your operations, you will find very strong correlation between team morale, how people are feeling, uh, and 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 the productivity of the of the office. Gundeep, hold that thought for a moment. We'll continue in just a second. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop podcast. Coming on Tuesday's show, a new IT strategic vision coming from the Agriculture Department. You'll get a preview with Gary Washington, the CIO at Agriculture, on tomorrow's Daily Scoop podcast. That show debuts Tuesday afternoon at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows. My conversation continues with Gundeep Alawalia, the CIO at Labor. Gundeep, a lot of folks would expect that if I have the CIO of the Labor Department on, I'm going to ask you about cloud and I'm going to ask you about the cyber executive order. And I will ask you about those things in a moment. <laughs> but when I go to the broader market CIO publications and websites, these are exactly the issues that CIOs are talking about today. They're not talking about the technology stuff because that stack is pretty set. And yeah, organizations are thinking public sector and private sector about moving to the cloud and they're thinking about cyber and all these things. Yes. But these personnel issues and the interactivity between human capital organizations and technology organizations in fortune 500 companies and small businesses across the country and organizations like yours are, they take up a lot of the bandwidth of a CIO in this day and age, don't they? They do. And, and at the end of the day, uh, attracting the right talent, providing them an environment where they can thrive to their fullest potential, and then motivating them and keeping them, right, uh, the, the retaining them are all very, very important to the health of any IT delivery, which is integral to any mission delivery, right? So that's how I see it. Uh, I think we've partnered with uh, our HR, uh, our, our Chico, very well. Uh, we were afforded these direct hire authorities, uh, on, at least on the recruitment side. 
which uh, I'm I'm glad was uh, uh, earlier was was restricted to Washington D.C. area, but now it has been extended to nationwide, which is a, a great way to to uh, uh, recruit. Uh, but then uh, over time, uh, allowing people to do bigger, brighter things, right? Uh, connecting their IT work to mission delivery, right? Uh, providing them with the training opportunities, giving them the newest ADA, you know, cloud uh, technologies to work on, right? I mean, those are the things that keep you motivated and keep you here. Um, and then it improves mission delivery, right? So it's a win-win uh, if you invest in this arena. And I, I, I am, I'm very glad um, that that there are there are some very good uh, successes that we have achieved as well. I, I'll, I'll tell you a lot of people uh, uh, think about diversity um, in in their workforce, right? Um, and I am a true believer of injecting thought diversity into your your workforce, right? And and sometimes we have poor proxies to to look at that thought diversity right i mean it, it's gender it's it's race etc but the, the, it is extremely important for our health to have that kind of diversity and and a few numbers i i will give you the average uh, of women in technology uh, is about 25% in in um, in the 2210 series it is the it is the it series for for the government um, OCIO over the last few years is at 43% at the Department of Labor, right? So we are double the, the average. Um, the, we have 30% women in our leadership positions, which is about 10 points higher than the rest of the average uh, in the industry, right? And these have made us much more resilient. Uh, and we always hire for competence, right? But if you are able to inject thought diversity, whether it is through gender diversity, race diversity, or backgrounds, right? We all come from different backgrounds, and that makes us think differently. Um, so it is, it is, it is a, a proud moment for, for us here uh, that we have pivoted our organization uh, to have many, a lot more diversely thinking uh, workforce and a lot more women yeah, as well. Uh, the listener to this podcast is going to throw stuff at the phone if I, or the speakers if I don't ask you about some of these technology things gun deep in the time that Absolutely. we have left. So, so let's do a lightning round. We'll start with the cyber executive order. Where are you in your cyber journey? I imagine Zero Trust is a component of that. Uh, what does that look like at labor and what's in motion right now? So enhanced logging, zero trust architecture, uh, increasing our uh, data loss prevention technologies, uh, making sure that uh, uh, we, we are exploding emails and people are clicking on things. I mean, these are all things that we had planned to do and we were on a journey. I think the cyber executive order actually uh, is a good catalyst. It brings a, a lot of spotlight. It, 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 it accelerates some of our existing plans. Uh, the only unfortunate part about that is, is the lack of resources, right? So, so sometimes uh, I feel very uh, uh, worried that, okay, the acceleration comes at a cost. Uh, but we have, we have gone, we, we, as you mentioned earlier, we have uh, two TMF awards already under our belt, and we have submitted uh, 
three new proposals uh, as well. One of them is cybersecurity uh, to, the, to the TMF board, and we are hoping that uh, uh, we will be able to secure some resources. We've done a gap analysis as to how we can uh, accelerate that that zero trust architecture. We were already on on a, on, a, on our on our way there, uh, but now we have to do certain things faster and differently given the uh, available resources that we have. And that's that's the journey we, we are on. What did you learn from the TMF project that you closed out that applies to the one that's that you're undertaking now? So I think the, the, there, there are a few things that, that we, we learned. Uh, one is uh, how, how to just interact with the TMF board, right? Uh, just understanding what makes them tick. Uh, secondly, that one was a collaboration between USCIS, us, Department of State, and Agriculture, right? So it, it was around the H2A, H2B program. Just to, it is, it is, it amazes me how uh, easy it can be if you find the right partners across federal agencies, right? Um, and these bureaucracies, bureaucracies sort of matter less uh, in many ways. So we learned a lot on that uh, particular front as well. Uh, during the closeout, um, we, we also uh, uh, realized uh, some savings, right? So we've started paying back our installment or loan from the TMF board at this point. Um, we, we should have an 850 credit uh, scoring from, from the DMF board uh, because we are <laughs> repaying it. Um, so so there, were, there were a lot of learnings around interacting with different agencies, uh, how to interact with the DMF board. Uh, but most importantly, I think it was a very, very successful one. And we shut down our, um, uh, our, our paper processes and have gone completely digital in that area. Right? And USCIS instantaneously knows the stat- status of a labor certificate when they get a, a temp work, uh, uh, worker uh, uh, application from an employer. So it's, it's a great success. And uh, we, we've learned all of those things and now are deploying it into our new applications and how we run the new projects as well. All right. The next buzzword I was going to ask you about was digital transformation. And I imagine you took lessons out of that to apply more broadly to non-TMF digital transformation projects you're undertaking? Yeah, so I will tell you the, 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 uh, the customer experience associated with uh, creating uh, identities, creating logins, uh, right? And trying to submit, interact with the Department of Labor, right? That entire infrastructure that we created for Office of Foreign Labor Certificate we are now leveraging that entire platform for all our uh, other mission areas, right? So, so talk about accelerating to the cloud, improving customer experience. It is all about reusing components that you have created. Now, I have a login.gov uh, 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 infrastructure or an API connection that I have created. I don't need to recreate it for other areas. So that is the power of creating uh, uh, components, whether through TMF or through any other digital transformation uh, effort that we take, because it raises all boats uh, uh, to to and improves the customer experience uh, as well. All right, and cloud was the last one I wanted to ask you about. You touched on it a second ago. What's the uh, data center to cloud transformation look like? The transition look like, Gundy? 
So I think we, we, are, we are well on our way. All new projects that we undertake are cloud native, right? I, and I am so glad that we are seeing a cultural shift because earlier people used to only go to the cloud for uh, cost saving, right? Now they are going because native cloud is much more secure. It's encrypted. It gets you the ability to scale up or down. Um, and, and those are the right reasons to go to the cloud. And we, we are well on our way. We do have a legacy debt that we have to pay down. And that's where, where we keep uh, uh, asking for money, either through our, our appropriation process or through uh, the, the TMF. Uh, or we have a working capital fund as well. So, so we will look at all of those strategies to fund and pay down that uh, legacy debt. We have moved a lot of our infrastructure uh, into the cloud as well. Uh, it's an infrastructure as a service. Um, and, and we have closed down, um, I don't remember the exact number, but at least 71 or 72 data centers over the last couple of years. And we are, we are down to our... Our, uh, so our, our cost footprint and, and uh, is, is very low on the data center side, and we are leveraging all the benefits of a cloud uh, a native application and infrastructure uh, that it brings. So uh, we, I, I'm very happy about it, and, 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 and we just had to pay down the, the legacy. I know you're starting to run out of time. I'm grateful for you spending so much time with me today, Gundeep. You mentioned the working capital fund that you have, and when the uh, the Modernizing Government Technology Act passed a number of years ago now, it was two-pronged. It was the working capital funds at agencies, and it was the TMF, and a lot of people gravitated to the TMF. Not as many agencies gravitated to the working capital fund. What's the benefit, in your view, to having both? You talked about your TMF projects already, but since you have a working capital fund, what's the benefit that you get from having that also? Yeah, so I, I will say uh, that we have uh, uh, the three strategies are appropriations. Within appropriations, we have request we had requested Congress to give uh, for modernization projects something called as the expiring funds authority. So we have that as well. Congress gave that to to us. I made a pitch, and and they agreed. Both the appropriations committee. Uh, gave it to us through the appropriations process. So that is a key part of the, the financing strategy. Second one is obviously TMF. That, that you, as you know, we have two and we have, we have three in the, in the hopper. And the third one is working capital fund. I want to remind everyone, most of these enterprise projects take multiple years. So single year appropriations are sometimes a hindrance in planning multi-year enterprise projects. Working capital fund takes away that hindrance and that constraint. So we invested in our working capital fund as well. It was a collaboration with our departmental budget center and our solicitor's office that we are in such a good shape. On our MGT assessment, we have been the one uh, agency who's consistently had an A grade. In fact, at one point, we were the only A grade. Now there are others as well. Uh, and it is a financing strategy that takes into account appropriations, expiring funds, working capital fund, and TMF. That's the only way you will pay down the debt. Gundeep Alawalia, the Chief Information Officer at the Labor Department. Thanks a lot for a terrific conversation, my friend.
Thank you, Francis. Thanks for having me. You can read more about what's going on at the Labor Department in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available now on all the podcast platforms. If you've already rated the show on your platform of choice, thanks for doing that. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people find it. The Daily Scoop Podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Daily Scoop Podcast is back tomorrow with Gary Washington, the CIO at the Agriculture Department. Until then, I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening.